Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome back to another episode of Blitzcast. This is your host, Brendan Bolin, joined alongside my partner, Ed Hunt. How you doing today, brother? Pretty good, man. How you doing? I am doing fantastic. I'm I'm getting ready for this Saturday football. It's the, the first weekend we got NFL on Saturdays. When college leaves for a few weeks, we got NFL the ticket spot on the Saturday day. So I'm getting ready for that. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed with how much stuff it, just football related has happened this whole week. Before we get into everything, I just wanted to take a quick moment to, to show Ed's and I appreciation for Demarius Thomas uh, as you know, you all probably heard we unfortunately lost, you know, one of the greatest athletes in Denver history. And um, me personally, I had like uh, a really, really great experience with Demarius Thomas. And he's actually the reason I fell in love with the game of football. I went to his uh, his pro football camp back in middle school. And I and somehow, scrawny little me, managed to get the MVP out of that camp. And at the end, he took me aside and I was able to have a little conversation with Demarius Thomas himself. And, you know, he just... The, the dude is full of inspiration and uh he you know he always he, he pushed me to you know continue to chase my dreams and uh, I, I even made him a drawing and he kept it he he's one of the best receivers if not the best in Denver history that that doesn't even compare to how good of a human being he is so uh it's just it's truly unfortunate that we had to you know hit, have that loss this last week and I was lucky enough to attend that game against the Lions where they were able to honor him and that was just, it was one of the most beautiful moments of my life because he truly, truly did have a huge impact on my life. So I just needed to get that out there. I, I love, I personally love hearing all the Demarius Thomas stories and um, I thought you guys might appreciate that. So uh, rest in peace, Demarius Thomas. And we, we truly, we truly appreciate what you've done for the game of football and, you know, just for the Denver community as a whole. Yeah, the one thing I'll always remember was uh, that playoff game where Debo, Debo probably would have never won a football playoff game in the NFL without without Demarius Thomas. That ca- that catch, um, I mean, that was that was truly spectacular. I mean, it was at the right time. It was, you know, I mean, he 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 took it, you know, all the way. I mean, it was, you know, <laughs> the the when I talk about when I think of like iconic sports moments in the last ten years. You know, I, 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 I always had respect for him. He was a first-round pick. Um, you know, he, he, he came from Georgia Tech. You know, he, he, he was he was the, the Broncos' number one receiver. I mean, he was, you know, one of Peyton Manning's best years, I think, is, is, is attributed to his success, him and Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, the, those two that year with Peyton Manning, I mean, they were unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a great one, and it's really sad. Especially it's very sad that... Uh, you know, it happened in his early 30s, but, um, you know, again, I'll, I'll add my two cents. Rest in peace to Marius. Yeah, I mean, people people were quick to forget, you know, he he retired pretty fast, but, you know, for, for a decent, you know, three years or so, three, four years, his name was being up thrown up there with the top five receivers in the NFL. I mean, his name was up there with when Des Bryant was at the top of the league and Calvin Johnson. I mean, they were running the league, so truly unfortunate, but once again, thank you for the memories, Demarius Thomas. I mean, you're you're always going to be cherished within the NFL community, and just, just living in Denver, it's unbelievable to see to see how much of an impact you've made here. So let's let's hop over into you know probably what everybody expected for the Heisman race, Ed. 
we we were talking about it a little bit uh, a little bit ago, maybe two weeks ago, and we gave our two cents on who's going to get the Heisman, and both of us kind of had the same prediction. It was going to go to to Bryce Young. After that Georgia game, I just I couldn't see how they were giving it to anybody else. I mean, Ed, how do you how do you feel about Bryce Young winning the Heisman this year? I mean, he's Nick Saban's quarterback. He's the quarterback on the best team. With the criteria of how they usually vote for the Heisman, I think he deserves it. I think he's like number four in passing yards in the league. Um, you know, he's led them to be a number one team, a number one seed. Uh, he led them to an SEC championship. He's a five-star recruit. I mean, this is a guy who's fully decorated. And, uh, you know, in, in a year from now, I think we're going to be talking about him as an early draft pick. No, absolutely. And I... I... I really, I just love Bryce Young as a football player because he doesn't necessarily have that, you know, huge prototypical quarterback frame, but I think it just gives him his game advantage. Like he plays to it. And like you said, he he was, he was like fourth in passing yards or something like that. But if you're telling me you're top five to top three in every important statistical category as a quarterback on the best team in the country that goes and I don't think there's another word other than embarrasses the best defense we've seen in over a decade in Georgia, uh, and he put up 420 yards, three passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown. They put up 40-some points in that game. That's half of what Georgia gave up in an entire season. So you scored as many points in one game as Georgia gave up in six. I mean, that's just, that's unbelievable. That's absolutely unbelievable. And, um, you know, ev- everybody else that was in the race at the time, you know, from the likes of C.J. Stroud, I mean, as phenomenal as a year Stroud had, at the end of the day, Stroud lost two football games, and so I, I don't really necessarily want to ever hear that um, Bryce Young lost a game to Texas A&M as a knock. Every single other person in the Heisman race lost a game this year, so I just think for what Bryce Young was able to do at the biggest moment of his career so far, he was it was his best game. To be able to do that against Georgia, I don't think there's any game that's really even like, statistically, he may have had better games, yeah, but to go out there and do what you did against that team, I mean, that performance alone is like is Heisman worthy to me. I, I definitely, I definitely echo that. I just, you know, there's there's a name that we're going to be talking about more in this show, and um, you know, the MVP award, the Heisman, we always give it to kind of those quarterbacks, right? I mean, you know, quarterbacks can affect the game in a way that other players can't, but. I mean, there's the. I have to say something about Aiden Hutchinson in this conversation about what he's what he's brought to this Michigan team. Um, you know, the way he's basically made them a, a playoff team. I mean, he he deserves some credit. I mean, of course, they're never really going to give it to a defensive player, but I mean, his his name should be should be mentioned in this conversation. You know, actually, I'm I'm so happy you mentioned that because literally my next question to you was going to be. Did, did a defensive player get robbed this year? And that defensive player's name is Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, how crazy would it have been if the second defensive Heisman in, you know, history, I think it is, is another Michigan player? As we all know, Charles Woodson was the last to win it. But uh, I, I agree with you, Ed. We, we all know this is a quarterback's award. And, you know, just just like I said, being the best quarterback on the best team, it's, it's really, that's your golden ticket to the Heisman. I personally... 
I think Aiden Hutchinson's the better football player, absolutely. I don't think there's a doubt in a lot of people's minds that Aiden Hutchinson might be the best football player in college football, you know? We, we know how disrespected that defensive players get. And, you know, from from an edge position, I mean, what, what would Aiden Hutchinson even have had to do to be a legitimate consideration for the Heisman? I mean, you're almost asking something that's that's not possible from these defensive players at this point. And I think a lot of these defensive players, they, they, they feel like they, they're never going to win. But, I mean, you know, there's the Alabama guy, too. Uh, there's Aiden Hutchinson. You know, there's the, the guy from Oregon, Kayvon Thibodeau. I mean, all these guys, you know, had great years. And, you know, when it when it comes to the NFL draft, which is when the dollars, you know, what matters with dollars and cents, I mean, these guys are going to get paid and, you know, they're going to get rewarded that way. It's not to say that Aiden Hutchinson is not well respected. I mean, I'm sure, you know, if I if I, if I'm the Michigan board of uh, board of directors, you know, and I'm I'm of, of of the football team, I might I might want to put up an Aiden Hutchinson statue at some point or a little shrine of him because I mean the year he's the year he's had has been spectacular and you know obviously beating ohio state he deserves a lot of credit for that but 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 i mean you know if you asked me a week ago two weeks ago mid-season i, I mean i'd say bryce young was in there one thing one thing i, I really do like about bryce young is the kid I, I can see him sit there on the sidelines and process what he did wrong when he's having a slump and fix it you know what i'm saying and that that's that skill is very important in a game of football right like the the ability to make adjustments right like like Brady Brady I mean you know he's all he you know he'll win that first game but like he he he's always adjusting right he's always moving his game to fit what he needs to do to be better than the other team right he's not you know he's not just playing his game right and I see a little bit of that in Bryce Young I'm not gonna say He's Tom Brady worthy, but I, I see I see a guy who you know is introspective. I see a guy who can pick himself out of a out of a hole. You know, I I think I think Nick Saban obviously deserves a lot of credit for what he's done with Bryce Young, and I mean what Saban's done over the years has been outstanding. And you know, Saban Saban's winning championship after championship after championship, and one of the reasons he can do that is he can take a Bryce Young who you know may not have the biggest frame, but you know, is a five-star recruit, has a lot of talent, has a, you know, has the arm, has a, has a little bit of speed, has a little bit of, you know, has some accuracy, and he can make him into, you know, a Heisman-worthy quarterback. No, absolutely. And I'm really glad you brought up that part of his game where, you know, he's he's willing to be critical of himself and make adjustments. And I mean, that's, that's literally all you have to really like do to be successful in this league because Tom Brady knows he's the least athletic person on that football field every time he touches the field. He exposes weaknesses. That's, that's how you succeed is you find their weakness and you beat it. And that's, that's kind of what he did in that Georgia game. He found out that, hey, my guys are faster than your guys on this part of the field, so we're going to throw it there every time. And guess what? They did that. So um, being able, yeah, like, I mean, and every time you, you see him on the sideline, not only is he, you know, watching review, he's talking to his teammates to, to get their perspective on what's going on. I mean, he's always with his wide receivers, talking to coaches. The, the dude is just constantly trying to get better every week, and not even every week, every second of every game, every quarter. The next drive, he's trying to make better than the last. I mean, this, this, these are things you want to see from a very young quarterback that's, that's going to be your quarterback of the future for the next couple of years. And I mean, there, who's to say he doesn't make another Heisman run next year? 
I, I, I really think that Alabama has something special in this guy, and it's it's really nice to see a quarterback at Alabama that is is winning games by them kind of by themselves. I'm not saying that he's not, you know, Jamison Williams wasn't everything, but like you said, to be able to make those adjustments and in the close games find ways to win them, a lot of that has been on him just making the right decision for them. Because uh, Bama's put themselves in some really ugly situations at some points in this year, and he's been able to dig them out just by his, you know, sheer athleticism. The dude is an absolute athlete, even though he's undersized. There's very few things that he can do as a that he can't do as a quarterback. Excuse me. I think one thing about the guy is, uh, you know, when you think about Alabama quarterbacks, I mean, really, like in the league right now, I mean, you got AJ McCarron, who's really just a backup. You got Tua Tung Viola, who, you know, is a starter and is a winner, but I mean, he's not, you know, he's not Justin Herbert, right? He's not, even though that's where he was compared. And this could be that first Alabama quarterback that is, 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 you know, number one pick worthy, right? Like that, this could be, this could be Nick Saban's gem. No, absolutely. Cause I mean, cause a guy like Mac Jones, you knew he was going to get his spot in the, in the league, but it's not a guy you're going to spend a number one overall pick on, you know? number one overall pick you need like you're you need an athlete on top of a great football player you know and and he gives you that Mac Jones he's a great football player but he's not an athlete and just with the way the league is evolving there's very few teams that really even want that traditional style quarterback anymore I mean the ability to be mobile is is almost a need for for over half the league at this point and with all the teams that are drafting you know relatively high anymore they're they're probably going to start to shift to that to that successful type of scrambling quarterback or a guy that can simply move and you know Mac Jones wasn't necessarily that guy and look it's it's funny how that works because he's you know probably one of the least appealing athletes but he's the most successful Alabama quarterback we've seen in the NFL so far or at least out of the last few years I mean Tua was ten times the athlete that Mac Jones is but. Not to discredit what Tua's done the last few weeks, because actually uh, people need to give him a little bit of credit. He's played some phenomenal football the last few weeks, but he's just he's not playing at the level Mac Jones is. And uh, I would really, really like to see Bryce Young be that next, you know, really successful Alabama quarterback. I would. I like him. Speaking about quarterbacks, you know, one quarterback I don't particularly like, but I'm I'm rooting for him because I know how talented he is and I want to see him succeed. Spencer Rattler and big news that came out this past week is Spencer Rattler transferred to South Carolina and Ed personally I was super super surprised but uh, after looking into it I actually really like this for both parties give me your thoughts on this Ed yeah I I thought this was the safest pick for Spencer Rattler I I would assume that at South Carolina they pretty much told him like you you know this is your job we're not going to bring anybody in to compete with you. This is your show. Um, you're going to be able to show what you can do to NFL scouts in the SEC. And I think that's what he, I think that's why he picked this. Um, I think that, you know, I, I didn't think, I think he could have been a little bit more aggressive. I mean, there was a chance, you know, that he could just go straight to the NFL. He's shown some tools to go to the NFL. I, I give him credit for staying in school, you know, working on that degree and trying to work on those skills and show that he is you know, a number one quarterback in, in the league or, or in college football. Um, but, you know, I mean, there, there were some teams that I'm sure were interested. I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, the Georges and the LSUs, uh, were, were interested in, in him. Um, and, and just, it kind of, it's kind of curious to me why he didn't want to pick one of those big schools, you know, a school like Oregon or a school like, 
um, you know, even USC with Slovis leaving and so forth. Uh, uh, you know, why, 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 why? I understand the SEC appeal, but um, this seems like a very conservative move for Spencer Rattler. Yeah, and honestly, Ed, I, I think conservative is kind of the way he needs to go. We all, we all know how spe- like talented Spencer Rattler was. I mean, he, prior to, you know, any of the games this season, coming into this season, was he not the Heisman favorite? I'm almost positive he was everybody's Heisman favorite. And just, that's an insane amount of pressure to put on a guy. I mean, regardless, I mean, you, you have to be able to perform under pressure, but that's just, that's at one of the biggest programs in college football to pretty much be the unanimous decision for the Heisman f- favorite with a very, very talented backup. And, you know, nobody knew how talented Caleb Williams was going to be, but obviously Spencer Rattler did. He was practicing with the dude. So who knows if that added another element of, you know, stress and worry that, that really affected his game. At South Carolina, I mean, you're not getting a fraction of the media coverage you were getting at Oklahoma. So I think this is really good for him to, you know, just to figure out himself. Dating back to high school, he's had a problem with, you know, humility and being humble. And I really want to see him figure it out because I know how talented of a football player he is. And um, South Carolina, I think, is just the perfect opportunity for him to, you know, have confidence in his position, know this is my job and this is my team to win football games for, Um, not have to worry about, you know, anybody rushing onto the scene and, uh, you know, I'm not worrying about another Caleb Williams behind me. And I don't have to worry about the media aspect. So I really like that for, for Spencer Rattler. And for South Carolina and South Carolina fans, I mean, you have to be ecstatic. This is the highest rated quarterback you've ever gotten for South Carolina. With, with the quarterback carousel you had last year, I, I'm pretty sure they had a graduate assistant have to come in and play quarterback last year. I mean, that's, all, that's, that's not something you want, especially if you're playing in a competitive di- division like the SEC. So to be able to land a guy like that is absolutely huge. And for, for Rattler, another big advantage to this is you're, you're with Oklahoma's uh, former assistant, Shane Beamer. So I just, I really like this for him. It's, it's familiar faces. I think they're going to put him in a uh, situation that, you know, helps to, ex, ex, or excuse me, they're going to put him in a system that they already know is going to work for him. You know, having that previous Oklahoma experience, I, I love this move for him. Although I was surprised, I never really considered it, but it, it makes too much sense for me. I just, I think of it this way. What is the best case scenario for Spencer Rattler, right? Like, you know, they're not going to win the SEC. They're not going to win a national championship. So, he, you know, he goes, let's say, you know, eight and four and, you know, <laughs> wins a New Year's, New Year's six bowl, right? Like that's, that's my, <laughs> that's my best case scenario for the South Carolina Gamecocks. That, that's, that's kind of where I kind of question the school choice. That's fair. But so my question to, to counter that is, do you think this was potentially a move for, you know, his NFL stock to, to prove that, you know, to stay in a competitive division and put your best football on display, even though you're not going to go out and win the biggest games and, you know, make a chance for playoffs or anything like that. You're kind of setting, potentially setting yourself up for the best chance to, you know, put the best NFL tape out there. Oh, there's no, there's no doubt this is an NFL move. There's no doubt that I mean he wants he wants a full year of tape for the NFL scout. I mean ideally he wants to go out there and put a, put a full year of tape out there, show that he is you know a first round draft pick, 
you know, come out for the draft and be in, in, in you know, a first round draft pick. That's that's his goal, right? That's what he's trying to do. Um, so this is a pure NFL move for sure. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I believe they were able to even uh, bring over Oklahoma's tight end Stogner in in the draft porter as well. So that's that's another familiar face for Rattler to work with. Everybody that has been around Rattler just raves about how talented the guy is. I, I mean, there's there's no denying that. So I, I, I really, I'm really excited to see how this works out for Rattler. Like I said, I, I found myself criticizing him a lot, but I like to be proven wrong. I really do. I root for everybody. I really like success stories. So to see Rattler figure it out, figure him himself more as a person and how to handle himself out, I, I really, really like this move for Spencer Rattler. Let's uh, let's backtrack a little bit. We were we were talking about a guy by the name of Aiden Hutchinson, and we're saying if uh, we were talking about if he got robbed of the Heisman potentially. But like we said, we know it's a quarterback's award. But one thing we can agree on is he might be the best football player coming out of this year's draft. Um, not to disrespect anybody from the from the likes of you know Kayvon Thibodeau or anything like that, but. I I have watched a handful of Aiden Hutchinson games and went back and watched film. I don't know really a weakness in this guy's game. It's kind of scary. It is kind of scary to me, Ed. Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you kind of my scouting report. Um, I mean, I want to start with his first step and his explosion out of his sort of stance um, out of this world. You know, this is this is otherworldly. This is. Um, it kind of reminds me. I, I know this guy didn't, you know, have the career that Aiden Hutchinson wants to have, but Ed Oliver. It kind of reminds me of that. Um, he converts speed to power well. This is a this is a guy who's an athlete, um, and, and and he uses that athleticism to help him in the run game, right? Um, you know, he he's able to he's able to sort of track down, flatten, and uh, you know, kind of contain runners. You know, just just with his sheer athleticism, he's a guy who can. Get off, get off uh, a block as a run defender. Um, I guess, I guess, weakness is that I think the technique doesn't really rush from a three point stance. Um, with his size, you know, being being that he's you know about six foot five, six foot six, um, you know, he's he's gonna have to play with his hand in the dirt in the NFL. Um, you know, they they're, they're not gonna just let him kind of go from the outside. I mean, I think if you're if you're a three four team, you can use him that way standing up. But, you know, his best fit is with his hand in the dirt. Um, you know, if he could just kind of use that explosion to get out of the three-point stance. Um, so that that is a small weakness that I find in him. Um, I think he moves well in space for a guy his size. Uh, quickness is there. His quickness is really, really there. As far as, you know, stats, I mean, he's second in sacks, uh, brings regular pressure. And, I, and, and he has one trait that I think is like, the, the 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 sort of the trait of all traits with you know edge rushers is that lower body strength is elite right and i think that because he has that lower body strength um that's what makes him a number one pick yeah absolutely ed I, he's he's about as close to a perfect prospect as you can get and and he's just it's like you said, it's hard to find a knock on this guy. I mean, if his only, you know, his only knock is the way he's, you know, lining up, that's almost like, like we were kind of joking before the show. You could pretty much, that's, that's the coaches telling him, Hey, we know you're going to get to the quarterback. So you line up however you want pretty much. But, um, I, I think that's going to be a quick adjustment for him in the NFL. And I just, I, I love this guy, wherever he goes, I can see him being successful. I mean, he's, 
he's an every down pass rusher and not even just pass rusher he, he's he's excelling in the he's a very very good run stuffer as well he understands gap assignments and he's he's pretty disciplined i mean very rarely do you see him overshooting his assignment on a run or something like that one of my bet favorite traits about aiden hutchinson is his motor uh it, it's that's essential for every dominant and or defensive player really in this league is to have a motor that doesn't stop and I mean, from start to finish, from the second the whistle is blown or the ball snapped till the whistle is blown, he's moving. He does not stop. I mean, he could be 15 yards away from the play and he's still trying to chase it down. So the effort is always there. And Ed, you know who he kind of, you know who he kind of reminds me of in the NFL? My NFL comparison is, is kind of the Bosa brothers, but more so Nick Bosa than Joey. All three of those guys understand how physically gifted they are and they know how to use it to their advantage. They're both incredibly good, or they're all incredibly good pass rushers and understand how gaps work in the run game as well. I, I, I don't think there's a closer comparison than the Bosa brothers in the NFL currently. And I just, he's, he, you can ask him to do everything. Like I said, you could ask him to be an every down pass rusher or he's going to be a run stuffer. The, don't be surprised if this guy do, uh, goes first overall. I totally agree with you. And uh, just just some kind of like last minute housekeeping, just um, some stats to to give you. He's six foot six. He's two hundred and sixty five pounds. So he he actually can put a few pounds on if he wants to, um, which is <laughs> insane. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's terrifying for offensive tackles. Uh, he had fourteen sacks in twenty twenty one. He's a senior, um, and he was a four star recruit out of Michigan. So this isn't. This isn't the guy, you know, this isn't the guy who, he wasn't as highly rated. I think he, he, he overperformed in college. Absolutely. He, that's, that's a good problem to have is to overperform, right? But and one, one last point I want to make about him is I think it's kind of an underrated, you know, aspect of his game is people aren't really talking about how deep of a bag of tricks he has for somebody that's so young. And for so uh, compare it to a guy like Chase Young, for example. Chase Young had... He didn't have a bag of tricks necessarily. He was winning with sheer athleticism, and uh, you know when he got to the league, he had he had a really solid rookie year. But you 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 saw it. He wasn't able to just absolutely beat guys by his sheer athleticism, and it took him a while to learn. You know, uh, a, a plethora of pass rush moves. Aiden Hutchinson, on the other hand, I mean, he is a freakishly, I mean, scary swim move, and his rip and dip move is incredible. Like it, it's every game, he's kind of utilizing every you know, trick he has in the bag, depending on where he's lined up on the offensive lineman. He's not going to hit you with the same move over and over and over to become predictable. And I think that's a really, really good thing to see out of somebody so young, because that means he's, you know, he's obviously a quick learner. So once he makes it to the NFL and has the best of the best coaching him, this guy's going to become scary, Ed. All right, Ed, talking about the NFL... Let's let's talk about some rookies. Another defensive rookie. So hey, maybe Aiden Hutchinson could be the next version of this guy. Micah Parsons, Ed. Micah Parsons is one of the best defensive rookies we've seen in a very long time. He's starting to get talked about as a defensive player of the year, not even just a defensive rookie of the year. I mean, his name is being thrown up there with Miles Garrett and TJ Watt. That is an unbelievable amount of respect for a rookie. Give me your thoughts on the season Micah Parsons is having, Ed. Well, what he is is he's a, is a very good pass rusher. Um, and if there's a team that can win on the edge, it's the Cowboys. I mean, they play that 4-3, you know, four-man front. You got Randy Gregory on one side. 
Demarcus Lawrence on the other. And then you got Micah Parsons, who's who's rushing from the linebacker position. And, you know, sometimes we'll come in on a sub package. So this team can rush the passer. No, absolutely. And the what I think is most impressive about Parsons is he has 12 sacks, right? He's top 10 in the league in sacks. But not only is he a great pass rusher, you've seen him kind of excel in pass coverage. There, there was a play a couple weeks ago where I saw him covering a wide receiver and he knocked the ball out. I mean, he was going like stride for stride down the seam of the 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 sideline. So it was it made a play on the ball as well. It was unbelievable. So I don't think there's some, nobody above ten sacks is a better pass cover than than Micah Parsons. I mean, I really don't think and like it is really mind blowing to me that he is that balanced on both parts of his game. There's not somebody. Like, Miles Garrett, you're not going to ever in a million years ask him to go cover. You're not, and very rarely do you find the Steelers asking TJ Watt to legitimately, you know, be in a coverage situation. Parsons is getting asked that responsibility, and he's excelling at it. And the fact that he's not even a full-time pass rusher, and he has 12 sacks, 12 sacks as a rookie is unbelievable. I mean, some people play 95 points. 99% of their snaps at edge and don't even get 12 sacks in a season. Uh, Micah Parsons is simply built different. I mean, yeah, I, I, mean, I kind of disagree with you. I, I don't think he's a complete linebacker. I think I think that's where we kind of differ. I, I like him as a pass rusher. I think he's a guy who gets after the quarterback. I mean, that's obviously, you know, an important skill. But um, the other linebacker traits, uh, run defense, pass coverage I'm not as impressed with him I mean that's fair I'm not saying he's you know an Eric Kendricks level of, of pass coverage as a linebacker but to to be a guy that's still getting you 12 sacks and you're you're trusting him with responsibilities in downfield coverage I mean that that says a lot of, that says more to me than you know than a lot of stuff because that that shows that the coaches are obviously saying something in practice because you're not just gonna you know, in game, say, hey, go go cover their number one tight end, and not saying that he hasn't gotten burnt a couple of times, as every rookie would. You know, even rookie cornerbacks are getting toasted. But for for him being such an elite pass rusher, it is just mind boggling that he's even a subpar in coverage. I mean, even to be average is impressive to me. To to be to have that impressive of a pass rush game and to even be playable in pass coverage is super impressive to me and ed i have a question for you as of right now i don't know if i can name i mean aaron donald had a fantastic game last week but i don't know if i could name a better defensive player in the nfc right now i mean obviously aaron donald long term is the better player but right now i don't know if there's somebody playing better defense in the nfc than michael parsons and I have I have been you know one to say I'm not I'm not on the Micah Parsons train for defensive player of the year, but I'm willing to give him his credit in this regard. Well, I think I think you look no further than his teammate Demarcus Lawrence. I I mean, Demarcus Lawrence is older. I mean, we've heard the name before, but I think he's doing a better job. You think he's doing a better job? So okay, this so this is my only argument to that. As of right now, I believe Parsons is third, has the third best odds. It may he may even move up to second to win not defensive rookie of the year, but defensive player of the year. Does that change your mind at all? To be honest with you though, I mean, 
it's going to go to Miles Garrett or TJ Watt. I mean, Watt's been hurt a little bit, but I mean, Watt Watt's been unbelievable. Aaron Donald, I I understand I understand he's getting decorated and I understand he's getting sacks and I respect him for that, but um to be honest with you, I I think he's he's kind of uh, he's a little bit of a role player for me. You know, I I think I think we have a little bit of a disagreement on on the type of player Parsons is because I think he's a difference maker. Um, I mean, if we, we look no further than last season, I mean, Dallas's defense was abysmal. They had I think it was like the the first eight when, games or something. I just want to say when I mean a role player, I mean a role within a defense. He's yeah. he's a defensive starter, but I'm just saying I think I think he kind of plays more of a, a specialty in that defense. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's kind of where his you know his balanced game comes in, and they can utilize him in different spots. But I I think that you know just I I've watched a handful of Cowboys games this year, and there's really I I don't see many people. I mean, other than Diggs, who just has glue for his hands that gets all the interceptions in the world, I don't see many people making nearly as many plays as Parsons. And it's not even like that Parsons is making plays with the sacks. You know, he's he's meeting people at the line of scrimmage and. I really, I mean, I don't think we're disagreeing that he's the defensive rookie of the year, right? Uh, I would say, I would say, yeah. I mean, he's definitely, he's definitely the guy. I can't think of, I, I can't think of another name that I would put there. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm the biggest Browns fan in the world, and I wouldn't put Jock in there. Missed too many games, but I, I just, it's. I think I'm just so blown away with how talented but, he is. But as you a admit, you admit that you know, Jock, Jock and. Micah Parsons are different players, right? Like you oh, absolutely. To, absolutely. Like, like, I, like and, and and the other thing that I don't really I don't really understand about the Cowboys is really he's a he's he's a will linebacker. That's what Micah Parsons is. He's a will linebacker in a base front, and they have him as the Sam linebacker. And really, I mean, when you say Sam linebacker, I think of Jeremiah Wosakormor. That's a Sam linebacker to me. Right, and you know and. I think Jock is like the the perfect example of what a Sam like linebacker needs to do in today's league. And unfortunately, I, I if Jock didn't get injured, I really think what he the difference he made for the Cleveland Browns this year would have really put his name up in the conversation at least because the last I mean I I can't even count how many years ever since I've watched the Browns they have not been able to stop a running quarterback and they have not been able to cover tight ends. And Jock has completely removed those problems. Every time he's on the field, I mean, Lamar Jackson has not ran for anything once Jock has been on the field. And I think that's like, had had we had been able to see what Jock was capable of for an entire season, I really think he would have had a chance to, you know, cement his name, at least in the conversation. But um, unfortunately, we didn't. So I, I, I think Parsons at this point is definitely the runaway. Talking about running away, though, Ed, how about Derek Carr and Russell Wilson, two quarterbacks that look like they might want to run away from the situation they're in? Um, let's let's start it off with Russell Wilson. Uh, I personally, I think Russ might be playing his last week, uh, his last year in Seattle. Um, the only thing that makes this a little bit tricky is he has a no trade clause, but apparently it's come out that he is willing to um, waive that no trade clause for I think it was three teams. Uh, those teams were the Broncos, Giants, and I can't currently remember the other team. It'll probably come to me, but um, I I don't think it's down to three teams. I really think that Russ is frustrated with the situation in Seattle. 
He hasn't had an offensive line his entire career. The defense is abysmal. I mean, and and just the play calling is awful in Seattle. It's it's really hard to watch sometimes. Um, I think he's I think he's about tired of carrying that football team. Ed, what is the best move for Russell Wilson this offseason? Well, he he's playing a different kind of chess than than what what, what you were used to. Um, you know, when he picked Denver, when he picked the Giants, I mean, he wasn't picking you know the best teams, but he was picking kind of. I mean, the Giants aren't really quarterback needy, but the Broncos are. But really, what he was picking was big cities for basically his girlfriend Ciara to perform in and to uh, excel in. And uh, <laughs> it's interesting with a guy like Tom Brady, um, with a guy like Russell Wilson, is is like, yeah, they're great quarterbacks. They make a lot of money. They're stars in the NFL, but. Who they're married to might be might be bigger and more important to their bottom line. No, that's actually I'm really glad glad you brought that up because that's kind of an aspect that a lot of people don't take in consideration once they see like somebody go to a place. It's like, oh, why would they go there? People forget they have a family, and you know their family is their priority over football a lot of the time. And I didn't think about it until this second in time, but that's a great point, Ed. Um, personally, you know not being biased or anything, but I think Denver would be awesome for that. You got the beautiful big city of Denver. And then, I mean, Denver's about a quarterback away from being a very, very, very good football team. I mean, there's, Denver can maybe use one other linebacker and they're one of the more complete teams in the NFL. Um, And, and they're, they're, they're scraping by with Teddy B. So if you plug a Russell Wilson in there, Denver is a very scary football team, Ed. Yeah, and I, I mean New York. New York probably wouldn't be the best situation, but um, you know New York City would be perfect for Ciara, and I think I think that you know, and 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 I believe these guys believe in themselves, and he believes he can turn a team like the Giants around. No, I agree with you. I Russ is. I mean, without without Russell Wilson, Seattle is a poverty franchise ever since the Legion of Boom, you know, kind of left, but. Um, he absolutely is a guy that can elevate a team. He's been doing it for his entire career. And I personally, the only reason I could see him staying away from the, uh, from the giants is, uh, they are just a few more pieces away from having a complete offensive line than Denver is. And I feel like he's got just a little bit more to work with in Denver, but you know, Denver's offensive line, as of right now, they have a very underrated, you know, squad going on. And I just, I think Russell Wilson, you know, he, he knows he's a very, very smart football player. And I think he kind of knows that, you know, Denver, we're just one piece away, one piece away. And he could be that piece. And, um, that that's honestly, I think best case scenario for Denver and best case scenario for Russell Wilson, because I, I'm a huge Russell Wilson fan might be one of my favorite players outside of the, outside of the Browns. And I want to see him win another Super Bowl. I really do. And to see him, you know, potentially go to Denver to give himself that opportunity, that's a storybook right there. So this this Derek Carr situation is kind of interesting, and um, I, I I don't really understand why he would want to leave the Raiders. I think he's got a good situation there. You know, he's been a leader there. I, I understand that, you know, the John Gruden situation is a little bit embarrassing, but, you know, once you once you kind of hire that next coach and kind of take steps forward, you know, that he can really kind of put the John Gruden situation behind him. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Derek Carr is kind of somebody else, in my opinion, that has been 
you know, carrying a team. Like, the Raiders, as of right now, they're a much better franchise than they were and are in a much better situation than they were a couple of years ago. But I almost think it might just be that that kind of, you know, you're just, you're too late. You're too late to figure it out because um, although they have very good building blocks right now and they're, they're working to something that could be special, I just... Derek Carr's got to win soon, and I I want him to win soon. You and I were talking about last week about how much credit we need to start giving Derek Carr, and he's been keeping the Raiders franchise above water for a long time. And you know, if you look at what he's been given, other than Darren Waller, really, the only other elite or top tier talent he's had to work with on the offense on offense is Amari Cooper, and you guys ran him out of town. So that just that's got to be frustrating to work with, and um. You know, he's helped to elevate some guys. I mean, like Nelson Aglor had a great uh, comeback year with the Raiders, but that's not, he had a great year because Derek Carr helped him have a great year. I just, I want to see Derek Carr be put in a situation where he doesn't have to do everything. And I know that, you know, they're in a three-game losing streak. He's been very vocal about his frustrations, and I can't blame him. There has been no stability within that organization on any level of it. You traded away... Probably the best player in your franchise in the last 20 years in Khalil Mack. And you'd got nothing out of it, basically. Out of that entire trade, I think they ended up getting Josh Jacobs in return because of the whole situation with rugs and just everything. They got Josh Jacobs in return for Khalil Mack. That's how that worked out. So that just proves how ill-advised some decisions that the Raiders just constantly make. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Derek Carr was just done with it. He deserves better. Do you think, and this is this is kind of where I see things, is maybe Las Vegas just not the right city for him? No, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, honestly, that's a great point because you know he is a man of his faith for sure. We've seen the problems that Vegas can already cause. So, and I, with all the locker room distractions he's had to deal with, with Ruggs and Gruden and, you know, every just everything in the past, trading away Mac, like, this guy's probably sick and tired of it and just wants to, like, pull a Brady, like, just settle down in Tampa, you know what I'm saying? And if, if I truly, truly believe that if you, even not saying in a million years it would ever happen, but if you put Derek Carr on a guy, on a team like Denver, I mean, that team is winning probably, you know, north of 12 games. And, I mean, I, 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 I don't know what his best situation is. I don't really know what his landing spots are, but you know what team I would really, really like to see him go to, Ed, and I think is kind of a perfect fit? Is Washington. You have a solid running back in Antonio Gibson. The offensive line could definitely be worse. I mean, it's it's pretty, pretty parallel to the Raiders' offensive line, so you're not losing much there, but you're getting an upgrade in the receiving core with Terry McLaurin and, uh, and Curtis Samuel. And then meanwhile, your defense is a hundred times better in Washington than it is in Vegas, and you're working with a, a very smart defensive-minded head coach in Ron Rivera. So I, I would really, really like to see Derek Carr somehow end up in Washington. I don't know how you know logical that is for him or what the chances of that happening are. In my head, that makes the most sense. All right, Ed, let's wrap back around and talk about some insane prospects that we have this year. And uh, before I get into it, I don't... I need to introduce this guy by just saying he is larger than life. You probably already know who it is based off that sentence. It's Evan Neal. This guy 
is insane. I mean, a five-star prospect and a top 10 player in 2019, 6'7", 360 pounds, absolutely terrifying for opposing defenders. I mean, I you couldn't pay me to go up against this guy, Ed. What do you what do you think of Evan Neal? Well, I mean, my scouting report is, you know, this is a guy who's strong enough to take on, you know, the interior lineman. He's very quick to the edge. He's very quick and compact feet. He knows how to angle his body as a pass blocker, which, I mean, is a big is a big part of, like, understanding the offensive line position. So he's very well coached, good technique, um, very smart. Uh, he's a road grader as a run blocker. Uh, he's a great punch. Uh, he's aggressive. Um, you know when he's not matched up with a man. So if you leave him, if you leave him open, uh, he's going to be useful. Uh, he can sustain blocks well. Um, he uses his long arms well. Uh, he's kind of one of those guys. You know, some of those linemen. It's just like once you get your hands on them, that you know that six seven three hundred fifty frame, and they have the right technique. It's just like they're not going anywhere, right? And he's that guy, right? Like <laughs> just. You know, once 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 the defensive lineman is kind of in his grip, he's not going to let go of you. He sustains blocks well. If there's one way to beat him, it was it's actually an interesting way to beat him. It's almost like it almost kind of reminds me of baseball, but you kind of run a change up with him. So you kind of you, you maybe come out with a speed rush and try to beat him to the edge, and then maybe you slow down to to you know kind of kind of change speeds because he's the kind of guy who anticipates things very well. So you kind of you kind of have change up kind of speed and I think you get around him to the edge and I think that's the only way you can really beat him. Right, you kind of have to beat him in the mental aspect of the game and like one thing about Neil is like once he engages with you, it's game over, you know, say your goodbyes and tell your mom you love her cuz you're done. He also relies so heavily on, you know, that aggressive engagement. So at times, like you said, he, he may rely too heavily on, on his instincts. And if you're catching him off guard, that's that's kind of where he's been caught is um, he's almost too aggressive and lacks technique in that aspect sometimes and doesn't necessarily know how to make that quick adjustment from, you know, blocking a speed rush move to a bull rush move or something like that. And, you know, there's been at times that has been shown to, get him off balance off of his own feet and he kind of is knocking himself over just trying to recoup himself so fast and but one thing you got to give him is he may be 67 and he may be 360 pounds but he's not just big he's an athlete you know uh he played guard in in 29 uh he played guard in 2019 and has played tackle in 2020 and 2021 so it, it he's proven that you could plug him anywhere, and if you're pulling as a guard, I mean, you better be able to move. This guy was able to move. He excelled. Uh, he's a big part of Najee Harris's success at Alabama. He's a big part of Alabama, you know, being rewarded the best offensive line in football. The dude just simply doesn't give up many sacks. Uh, he's really the only knock on him is, I, in, in my eyes, is he kind of relies on that strength too much at times, and. I can't, I can't knock that because his strength is his strength. He knows how to use it, and like you said, once he gets his hands on you, it's game over. I mean, it, there's just, it's really hard to find guys that are, you know, stronger than what's currently in the NFL, and he's one of them. But he just, he's so aggressive with it, and he wants to get his hands on you. So if you can catch him off guard, like you said, Ed, that's kind of how you beat him. Yeah, and and I'm curious. I mean, what? <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, looking back kind of at the last five years I mean is there is there an offensive line prospect that you would put above him it's really hard to because if you're looking at what he's given up in the pass block game and how efficient efficient he's been in the run block game 
the production is, you know, it's top tier. And then you add his physical traits on top of that. I don't, I don't know how you build a better prospect. I mean, I, I know people were really high on Jedrick Wills, but he's almost a little undersized and he's, you know, he's proven that he really has struggled in the past game. Evan Neal is somebody that I think can succeed in both. Although I think I like him a little more as a run blocker simply because, you know, I, I want to see him just be, I want to see him in a system where he can just bully people, pancake people left and right. I want to see him in a position where he can use his strength every play. At the same time, you can put him on a team that likes to throw the ball and I think he's going to succeed. So to answer your question, not in, not that I know of, I don't think there's a better one in my eyes. I can't, I can't think of another. I would say probably one comparable in the last five years is probably Quentin Nelson. But, I mean, they're just different players. Like, Quentin Nelson is a, is a guard, and Evan Neal is a tackle. And, you know, I, I believe strongly in blessed player available. And to be honest with you, if I'm a team, you know, like let's say I'm picking seven, right, and in the draft, and he falls to me. I mean, I might just draft him because he's going to upgrade my offensive line no matter what. You know what I'm saying? Like, even if I have the two bookends, right, I'm still going to put him on my offensive line because eventually he's going to win that left tackle job, and eventually he's going to help my offensive line. And you can just never have too many offensive linemen. I agree. And it, you just you don't want to let a guy like this slip past you. So, uh, Ed, my question is for you. If he... You know, if you're Jacksonville, are you potentially looking at this as your first overall pick? I think Jacksonville with the offensive line problems, I think, I mean, that that's a match made in heaven. You know, I mean, I, if I'm Trevor Lawrence, I'm, I'm saying, you know, I, I'm putting a bug in, you know, whoever the next coach's ear is. I mean, I think if you're the offensive line coach, you're banging the table to get this guy. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I can't see him getting past Jacksonville. No, I agree. And if you're Shad Khan, I feel like the only way to redeem yourself is to make the right pick in this draft and make the right hire. And I, I think, you know, giving your your franchise or hopefully franchise quarterback the protection he deserves is is a very, very good first step. I mean, I, I absolutely despised their draft last year. I think it was horrible um, to take Travis Etienne in the first round once you already had James Robinson was just awful in my opinion so to see them redeem themselves and pick up Evan Neal would be very that would be the second Jaguars win um of of the season so uh, or the third excuse me but Ed I, where what what is Nick Saban doing get where's this machine at where he's building all these football players somebody needs to find it and somebody needs to bring it over to Colorado State or something because I don't know how he's doing it but well, I I think I think you know Nick Saban has the has the reputation and so forth. But I mean he he's kind of built the brand and the reputation at Alabama so that basically anybody who's a top athlete is a five or four star recruit. He can kind of just walk up to them and say, "Hey, we believe you can play here," and it kind of just sells itself, you know. Right. I mean, you, you don't have to. You could pretty. That's pretty much all you have to say as Nick Saban. You don't have to do much convincing. Say, you want to come play at Bama? That's that's pretty much all you got to do. But yeah, I, and and I mean, they they definitely have a show me kind of attitude there. You know what I'm saying? They definitely right. have a. You know, it doesn't matter if you come in as a five star recruit. You know, we're still going to kick you inside and make you win win on the outside. As we we're talking about with Evan Neal, you know, we, we, there's there's no no nobody's too special. Nobody's too above the team. Um, you know, I mean, it's no mistake that Belichick and uh, Saban are friends. Ed, 
it, it's been a pleasure, my friend. I mean, it's this is this is always one of the highlights of my week. And you know, we like I said, we got Saturday football, NFL, so we don't have to worry. We don't have to wait till Sunday. But like I said, it's always a pleasure talking to you, my man. Uh, I wanted to thank you for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, and thanks everybody for tuning in into this episode of Blitzcast, and we'll catch you back next week.